and I know Judy was here last week, but I want to say thank you, God, for bringing Judy back to church. Amen, church? Amen. Good to have you. Um, and welcome to you if you're new here this morning. I didn't get to say it. And it's Shin Yan Kwai Le. Let's do that again. Shin Yan Kwai Le. Happy New Year to you. And this is the Long Yan. This is the dragon. Year of the dragon. Finally, my shirt makes sense. Special welcome to uh, Pastor Dennis Gully here with us, head of the conference in Alberta. And uh, he will lead us in communion at the end. And uh, it's good to be here, to preach this morning, to hear God's word, isn't it? To look forward to this point in the week, every week, where God will meet us, encounter us, um, fill us up again. When my kids were little, one of their favorite movies, and mine, was Finding Nemo with uh, two main fish uh, named Dory, who was a blue tang, and Marlin was an orange clownfish. And Dory comes up to Marlin at one point in the movie and says, Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills, when life gets you down, do you know what you got to do? I don't know. I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim, swim. And so I begin this sermon this morning with an earworm for you. Just keep praying, just keep praying, praying, praying. What do we do? We pray. And that is the sermon right there. Just keep praying. And some of you may be going, is he still talking about prayer? Really? And I'm going, yeah, we're going to soak in this until we uh, are firmly established. My sense was that we were supposed to talk about prayer until we were all praying all the time. I'm wanting to bring up my slides here. So I see them. And we need to get a good soak. And I would like to start this morning with a story. So, there was this prophet named Elijah. And he lived about 3,000 years ago. He was the eighth king of, or he was serving during the eighth king of Israel, Ahab, who he talked to about rain. So this is a story about rain. And there would be a drought. There was going to be no rain. And the way that Ahab addressed this was by going to the rain god Baal. And this made Elijah frustrated and angry. So he said, there will be no rain. He knew this because God told him. And he prayed it. God sent him then to another country. He said, you're going to get blamed for this no rain thing. So, head off to another country. And there we know there are other great stories happen. The widow of Zarephath, the flower and the oil, the resurrection of the sun. Three years about later, Elijah goes to King Ahab and he says to the king, I hear rain. I hear rain, says the king. And they all look out the window, and there isn't a cloud in the sky. There hasn't been for years. 
What do you mean you hear rain? How did he know that there would be rain? Well, God had told him there would be rain. And so when Elijah prayed, God told him, I will send rain, tell the king. King Ahab says to Elijah, you are a troublemaker because there will be no rain. And Elijah says to the king, you, no, you are the troublemaker because you have gone to a God that is not a God at all. So then we know the story. Elijah goes up to the top of the mountain and he says, we are going to have this little powwow with all the prophets of Baal. And they, you know that story. It, 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 it's a good one. You should read that one. But this story is about rain. So he defeats the prophets of Baal and then he comes down from the mountain but he goes, wait a minute, it's not raining. So he goes back up to the top of the mountain and he kneels down and he prays. He puts his head between his feet and he prays. And then he stops praying, he looks up at his servant and he says, do you see rain? And the prophet and the servant goes and he looks and he doesn't see anything. He comes back, I don't see anything. And so then he just keeps praying. He leans down, prays again prays for rain, looks at his servant, is there rain? And the servant goes, no, there's no rain. He prays again, is there rain? No, there's no rain. He leans down, he prays again. Is there... And then he looks up, is there rain? No, there's no rain. And he leans down, he prays again. Is there rain? And the servant goes and looks, and there's no rain. And so he leans down, he prays again. <laughs> and he prays, and he prays. Is... And then he looks up, and is there rain? And the Servant goes and looks, and there's no rain. And, the, and the Elijah prays again, and he prays for the rain, and he looks up at his servant, and he says to the servant, is there rain? And the servant goes and looks, and no, wait. There's a little puffy cloud way off in the distance. Could, could that be what he means? That little puffy cloud. He comes back and he says, no, but... There's a little puffy cloud. Elijah jumps up. He says, hurry. Hurry, tell the king. Get in his chariot. Get back home. I'm going to run the 17 miles all the way home now because we're going to get hit. We're going to get hammered. There's a hurricane coming. How did he know? And as he comes down the mountain, he's running and he passes the chariot with the king in it, and the skies blacken over top of him as he's running, and the rain pours down. And as the rain is pouring down the face of Elijah, I can imagine him just weeping and praising God for his power. What a story. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot 
and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. What did you learn today, church? Just keep praying. The story speaks for itself. Oh God, we start this sermon with that clear mandate to just keep praying. And so I pray that you would speak and remind us again today. We are like little children hearing the story again for the first time. We needed to hear it again, oh God. Build us up in great faith, we pray. Amen. Just keep praying. You know, one reason people don't pray is that they don't understand why they're supposed to. They don't get it. Some say, well, doesn't God already know? Why? That makes no sense to me. Why do I just need to keep praying? Fortunately, Elijah's story is in the Bible. Fortunately, he even needed to just keep praying. Even the great prophet Elijah needed to. So, of course we do. It reminds us why we need to persevere. And I just want to take us back to the beginning. Why is prayer necessary at all? And if I believe that God is the sovereign Lord of the universe, he controls everything, why do I need to pray at all? And the answer, obviously, is he limits himself. He limits himself. He chooses to work through human beings. That's why we need to pray. Human beings were made to work, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. Did you know that you were made to pray? You were made to pray because God chooses to work through our prayers. Every time we pray, we are touching the kingdom. And after a three-year drought, Elijah prophesies and he goes to the king and he says, I hear rain. Now, look at that. Whose idea was it? The word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. Whose idea was it? It was God's idea. God was the one who said there would be rain. Was that enough? Was that enough? Well, James tells us a little bit more. He says, Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for the land, on the land for three and a half years. Again, Elijah prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Do you see that? God said it would happen but he chose to work through Elijah's prayers only after he did it seven times. Maybe it would have been seven times seven times. Maybe it would have just gone on. Maybe he had been praying for years. And when Elijah prayed, the rain fell. And when Abraham prayed for Lot, God spared him from Sodom and Gomorrah. And when Daniel prayed, God delivered the Israelites from Babylon. And when the church prayed, Peter was set free from prisons. Prison. Many things will not happen in this world unless we pray. Many things, many good things will not happen without our prayers because God chooses to work through them. And he chooses to work through them when we pray this way. He 
He promises he will always answer if we ask according to his will. 1 John 5.14. And we know his will. How? Well, we know his will from this. We know his will from the Spirit inside us, the still small voice. We know his will. We pray according to it. We pray in faith. James 4.3. You do not receive because you do not ask with... Sorry. But he must ask in faith without doubting. If you doubt, he will grant... He will not grant your request. The third one is this one, James 4.3. Do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You have to ask with the right motives. If they're selfish, your, your prayers, instead of about God's glory in your life, you won't be heard. Number four I've got here is we must pray without treasuring sin. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. We're not talking about sinlessness here, obviously. That's not possible. We are sinful. But if, if you pray when you're, he's brought something to your attention and you have not dealt with it, that prayer will not be heard. We must ask in Jesus' name. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. And in his name means praying in a way that's consistent with who Jesus is according to his mission, according to his character, his glory. We just need to keep praying. That's my one today. The way we need to pray is persevering in prayer. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord shall take no rest for yourselves, nor give him any rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Don't give who any rest? Don't give who any rest? Don't give who any rest? God. What? We are not supposed to let God rest. We're supposed to be praying so much that he goes, oh, stop already. I'm trying to rest. And we wake him up with our prayers. It's audacious. The prayers of faith are not prayed once, but they are prayed through. We pray seven times. We pray seven times, seven times. We pray over years, seven times, seven times. We pray in steps. We pray in stages. We pray through droughts. We pray through small clouds. Do you see in the story, in Elijah's exemplifying perseverance, that he goes to Elijah, he goes to Ahab, and he says, go and eat and drink, for there's a sound of heavy rain. And he knew that because God had told him. And then God needed Elijah to pray. As I pointed out before, Elijah climbed to the top of the mountain, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Then he needed to pray repeatedly, seven times. He didn't know that at first. He didn't know that it was going to be seven times. He didn't know. I, that story could have gone on a long time that I told you. And he didn't, he just kept going. He just kept praying. And then I see something else here that it starts small. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And then the, seven times, and then the servant comes back, a small cloud. A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. God will answer, and sometimes it starts small. And boy, when you see it in faith, you go, yes, hurry, <laughs> God. <laughs> the, 
this is the answer. And sometimes they start small, these answers, and then they grow to fulfillment. Once you see that small cloud, you're supposed to jump to the next prayer. And you just jump to the next prayer. And you keep going. You keep letting God not rest. And then comes the, the hurricane. Then comes the downpour. After you've persevered. And in this story, it was so powerful that it was going to stop the king from going anywhere. It was going to be a, a heavy rain that was making the sky black. You know, sometimes I pray for people this way. I just keep praying. I just keep praying. And uh, at my engineering job, I've often gone up to people and said, how can I pray for you? And they tell me something, and I go away and I pray it. And then I come back a week later, and they'll say, You'll never guess what. I'm not sure, but this little thing happened. And I'm going, it's a little cloud. And I just keep praying. I just keep praying. And the next week they'll come back and they'll go, you won't believe what happened. And I'll go, yes, I do. Yes, I do believe it. And then the next week they'll come back and they'll say, I can't understand what's going on. And this is our God. I don't believe it, they say. And, I, and we go, Christians, we go, we believe it. We believe it. Have you given up on a prayer? Just keep praying for all the things God wants. Step by step, he will powerfully answer. Can I have a volunteer, please? I need to hand out some sheets. Who will be my sheet distributor? Thank you, Mike. Um, give me one. And it's not complicated. It's actually just a sheet with a pile of lines on it. Um, but it says at the top, step prayers. So this is what I use in my own prayer journal. I've got a sheet inside my prayer journal. And uh, on this, this, this sheet is, I've got a, a few different sheets, but this, one, this sheet is unique because I use it for my persevering prayers the prayers that I ask over a long time. And you'll see that it's into different chunks. So there's sort of paragraphs. Oh, I'm sorry, I printed just enough to annoy people. You'll have to share it and then I will, I will post the PDF. And uh, each section has a few lines. And so you pray one and then you ask God, what's the next step? And you pray the next step. And then you ask God, what's the next step? And you pray the next step each piece. And so, for example, you know, I write down the, the, the name of a decision that I'm trying to make, that we made for the church, for example, last year. You'll find it in my journal, where I wrote down, should we adopt Canyon? And then the next piece was a conviction that I was supposed to meet with Jim Clarkson. So I wrote that down. Meet, I feel like I'm supposed to meet with Jim. And so I met with Jim, and we had coffee together, and then I went, and we both went, wow, we both felt that we were supposed to get together, and this was a divine meeting. And I wrote that down in my prayer journal. That was the small cloud. And so then we went to the leadership team, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. Some of these prayers aren't just one answer. Should we? Yes. Should you move? Yes. Should you take the job? Yeah. Sometimes there's steps, and God 
needs you to pray and pray, and he gives you a little piece, and then you pray, and he gives you a little piece. Why? Because God wants to cooperate with us in the work. He's not a wizard with a wand that just goes poof. He wants to work with us. And so we pray these prayers, and if you're praying for somebody to be healed of a disease or a sickness, you write their name down and you pray. Or if it's yourself, you pray, and then you get the sense of something you're supposed to say or some scripture you're supposed to read or maybe someone you're supposed to forgive, something that God is working in your life, and you write that down and you pray into that. Somebody you're supposed to invite to pray over you, to pray with you, God will do that. He's doing many things at once. He's gathering people together. He's working on healing at the same time as he's working on all sorts of other things. So these step prayers, I think, are, have been very helpful to me to help me keep persevering. Why do we just have to keep asking? Why does the Lord require us to battle? What's going on, really, in the background? He establishes our faith. He builds us up. What else? He teaches us patience. Oh, we, I don't like that answer, Mark. It is true. God values patience as a characteristic. What other answers would you have? Perseverance. He builds up. Perseverance is us. He wants you strong in prayer, not just stopping the first time you run into trouble. What else? Why do we just have to keep asking? There's spiritual realities that we don't understand. Thank you, my wife, for that segue to point number one I've got on the slide. She didn't even know. She just (laughs) senses it. We are in a spiritual war. I've just got two here. Um, You remember that story? of Daniel. (laughs) The Babylonian Empire had overthrown the Persians. Daniel was a captive. He read this prophecy in Jeremiah that they would be exiled for 70 years, but it wasn't happening. They weren't returning. And so he prayed. He just prayed and prayed and prayed. He just kept praying. And so then Cyrus decreed the Jewish exiles could return but then they got stopped in rebuilding the temple, and so he just kept praying and praying and praying. You can read about that in Ezra. And then he, just, and then he had this vision as to why. And we get this famous Daniel fast that you talked about, that you mentioned. The Daniel fast, where he's fasted for 21 days, and he prayed about this. And then an angel comes to him and says, you were heard from the very first day. It wasn't that God hadn't heard on the first day. He had heard, but what was going on? Well, that angel was battling with the prince of Persia, which is a statement in, in, in Daniel. It's physical and spiritual. And so there was this kingdom of Persia, but there was this spiritual Babylon of Persia, which was evil. And so this angel was battling in the spiritual This whole time, these three weeks, they were duking it out. And even he didn't get away, except that the archangel Archangel Michael got sent by God to take on the battle, and they're still fighting at that point. The angel says to Daniel, 
you were heard. And because of your prayers, I was able to come. And we know the rest of the story. He eventually won. They won. Ephesians 6.12 tells us, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is what you are up against when you are praying for your family. My friends, when you're praying for that family member, it's a spiritual battle. This is what you're up against in that job situation that's just driving you around the bend. There's a battle. This is what's going on when you're fighting with that neighbor who says your fence is too high. There's a battle. This is what's going on when you're battling that, that health situation that just won't go away. It's not just physical. There is a spiritual battle going on in the background for people who do not know Jesus. There's always a battle around them. We are in a spiritual war, and we need time, as Mike said, as several of you said, to grow in patience, perseverance. He wants us to grow. For example, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would Jesus ask us to pray for our enemies? Why, why should we do that? I mean, you've heard it before, so you're, it might be just going straight through your brain. But think about that. Why, why would we have to pray for enemies? Well, point one, spiritual warfare. Fair. But also, what's going on in here? In you. You pray for your enemy. Why? Because then you go, oh, wait a minute. Why is she my enemy? Why do I hate her? Why have I, oh, is there something I haven't forgiven? Is there something I'm supposed to do? Is there something I'm supposed to say? <gasps> and then you say it, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, that didn't go, oh, that went very well. That, whatever, you know the next prayer, the next step prayer. God, help so-and-so. God, I forgive so-and-so. Maybe I could do something for so-and-so. He cares more about your character as you deal with so-and-so <laughs> than, he, than he cares about solving that problem. He wants to sanctify you and them. He wants to grow us spiritually. Malcolm Gladwell says it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something. That is 20 hours a week for 10 years. You have to pray a lot to get super good character. <laughs> 10,000 hours at least. Every single prayer you offer in faith wins another inch. Every single prayer you offer in faith wins another inch and another inch and another inch and you grow. And we then know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. An answer delayed is not an answer denied. An answer delayed is not an answer denied. Just keep praying. God is working all things out for good during those delays, so just keep praying. Just keep praying, and God will show you the way to pray. 
I'll end with my own story of rain, where God taught me to pray. I was learning back in 2016 to take my prayers to the next level, and I went on my very first mountain prayer retreat. I decided that I was supposed to go to the mountains to pray. And I got in the vehicle and drove to what I wanted to be a nice dry spot to pray. The problem is it was raining. And I was at Banff, and it was raining. And I drove up the highway to Lake Louise, and it was pouring rain. And I went further than that. I went up the hill onto Highway 93, 93, and uh, it was raining. And I went, oh, God, I, I was certain that you were going to give me a sp- spot. And, uh, like, I'm praying as I'm driving. And I had this sense that, yes, you will have a place to, to pray. It, 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 you will have a place. And so I gro- drove up that hill, and I get to Bow Lake, and... It stops raining. I couldn't believe it. It was so cool. I'd been praying that whole time for a spot and other things, and, and then God stopped the rain. So then I thought, oh, great. The rest of the day is going to be beautiful, and I drove up the hill to Pedro Lake, and I uh, was thinking about, you know, uh, lunch and uh, where, what maybe I'll, I'll do a little hike, and, and so I stopped praying. And as soon as I got to the Pedro Lake, it started pouring again. And then I went, okay, enough of this. And I pulled over, and I said a little prayer. And I said, God, what happened there? And he said, you stopped praying. I wanted you to stop, to keep praying. You weren't listening to me. And I said, okay, Lord, sorry, I'm listening now. What should I do? And I felt like I was supposed to turn around. And, uh, okay, I'll turn around, God, but... Um, I don't know, no, I just drove all that way. It was raining the whole way. And he said, drive back. So I, turned, I literally turned around, drove back to Bow Lake, and it stopped raining again. And I parked the truck, and there was rain all around, and I went out to a boulder that was by the lake, and I sat down with my Bible and my journal, and I had my prayer time. I prayed there all afternoon, And it was raining to the north of me. It was raining to the south of me. It was raining to the east of me. It was raining to the west of me. And I had a profound experience there, learning about persevering in prayer and listening to God in prayer and how God can direct me in prayer. And you can better believe I just kept praying. That's not the end of the story. I get home to my office and I sit down at my desk and I was just saying thank you to God and I was looking up at the wall and I have this painting on the wall that you guys gave me at my, uh, at my ordination. Do you know what lake that is? That's Bow Lake. And in a wash, I realized that God had taken me to this, this very spot because he knew it would be a reminder to me from then on that I had learned to persevere in prayer. He wanted me to go there. And that's why 
He led me there. God took me to a special place of prayer. Let's just keep praying. Let's not forget that God chooses to work through our prayers. He wants us to just keep praying. I pray every day, often several times a day. Do you? Just keep praying all day long. Elijah just kept praying for rain, and that was a huge example to us. We see that we have to keep asking because it's a spiritual war, because he's working on us. This is why we just keep doing it. You confess that you have forgotten. We have stopped praying, God. Forgive us. Forgive us today. Have mercy on us. We commit to you, Lord, today to take the next steps, to persevere in prayer. We will have a prayer time each day. We will find a prayer place, a place that we write things down, where we work on our steps, where we can persevere in prayer. And Lord, we want to meet you every time we pray. We will just keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep praying, 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 because you are a good God. Amen. Pastor Dennis. It's good to be with you, uh, to see many of you again if we haven't met uh, I am Dennis with the BGCA, and it is my privilege to be invited to, to come to the table today. And uh, I don't know when you want to come up, uh, Tyler, anytime you feel comfortable. Um, I don't take it lightly when I'm asked to come to the table on behalf of a, uh, of a congregation. This is a great opportunity. Um, as we come to the table today, I just want to give you a couple opening thoughts, and then Tyler's going to lead us in a song. Um, and during the song, we're going to invite you to come to the table, as I believe is your custom, to grab the elements, grab a piece of bread, and grab a cup, uh, and then to go back to your seat, and then we'll come up, I'll come back up after the song, we'll take the, the elements together. But as I come to the, to the table today, I, 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 quite often we come from the Corinthians passage, but I want to come from Luke chapter 22. Uh, in this passage, uh, as it comes to the Last Supper, Jesus, in this last week of his life, uh, what we know as the Upper Room Discourse in Luke uh, or in John, um, he's coming and preparing his followers for what is to happen. And on the night of, of, the, the, la of the Passover feast, these are the words that we read. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparation there. And this is one of my favorite passages leading into this Last Supper, as we know it, the Lord's Supper. 
this Passover feast. And I may have shared this with you at another time, speaking with you, but I don't think I have. But when you look at this passage, this is the passage where Jesus comes the closest to hosting the party. We know that he has no place to call his own. He has no place to lay his head. He goes from place to place. He goes to everybody else's home. He goes to everybody else's party. And yet this night, he makes the preparations for the feast. Seems to be a supernatural thing that this man would be carrying a jar and knew exactly what to do, where to go, and to set up the feast for Jesus' followers. But at this moment, Jesus says, I'm going to host the dinner tonight. And I don't want you to miss the point of that. In Palestinian culture, to come and dine at one's table was the ultimate sign of acceptance, love, and where needed, forgiveness. For Jesus to sit and eat the meal at his table with those that he knew, one would betray him, many would deny him, and many would run. He brought them to the table of acceptance and forgiveness. He prepared a feast to say, I love you. And then he would go on to say, whenever you do this, remember me. Remember my acceptance. Remember my love. Remember my forgiveness for all that you've done. So as we come today, I hope it's not just out of tradition that we come and we grab these elements i hope it's not just one more thing we do in the month as part of our celebration which it is i hope you come and you're reminded of the fact that this is a sign from jesus himself that you're accepted into his life to his table and in the simple elements he would remind us of his broken body and his shed blood it would remind us of the ultimate price that only he could pay for us. So let me pray for these elements and then we'll sing, come and take the elements back to your seat. Then I will come and we will walk through the taking of the elements together. But let me pray for this table today. Father God, we come before you today. As we come to the table of Christ, we come reminded of all that you have done for us. The severely broken body of Christ, your son. The bread that represents the crushing of his physical body and the pain that came with that, that, Father, you might have spiritual defeat over death and sin. We thank you for the cup that reminds us of the new covenant in your blood. A new way of coming to you, not by obedience to the law, but through the work of Christ. Father, as we come, we understand the spiritual changes that have been made in and through us because of your son alone. As we come, we ask that we would be mindful of the fact that there is no other way to you than through your son, Jesus Christ, through his broken body and his shed blood. That we might live in a renewed and 
vibrant and walking, living, breathing relationship with you through your son Christ. So we give these elements to you now and ask as we sing and as we take these elements in a few moments that, Father, you would be glorified and that we would be reminded of our great position with you that can only come through you. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen. It's appropriate to, uh, to gather your communion bits.
earth is done, we'll see your face bright as the sun, and we'll bow before the King of kings, oh God, forever we will sing. Behold the Lamb, the story of redemption written o'er His hands. Jesus, You will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. We sing your praise, endless hallelujahs to your holy name. Jesus, you will reign forevermore. The victory is yours. You reign forevermore. The victory is yours. In the Gospel of John 22, we go on to read, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this in remembrance of me well, father we come once again and thank you for this reminder the great transformation of our lives only through your son Jesus Christ might we never take this simple procedure as anything more than the most complicated thing that's ever happened in our universe father might we remember that when you hung on the cross you did not push away your father's wrath Jesus you exhausted his wrath taking every sin of every man, woman, and child, past, present, and future on your shoulders to conquer the sin and shame that belong to us alone. 
and then to go into the grave and conquer death on our behalf. That we would not fear the condemnation of sin or eternal death. So Father, as we come today, we simply say thank you for the life that we can live through you. But it's the life that we now live for you. And we ask this all in Christ's precious name and through the blood of Christ. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for choosing to come this morning. Uh, prayer ministry is now available in that room right there. And... Uh, that means you can go over there if you have a special prayer request that you'd like someone to pray for you this morning. Uh, three things uh, before we go. Uh, first thing is Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and so you probably heard it at the beginning, but this is an opportunity to remind yourself to just keep praying. So choose something starting Wednesday to uh, fast from and combine that with prayer for the next 40 days until Easter. Uh, the second thing is uh, Pastor Wong Ko was just installed as the brand new official lead pastor of True Light uh, Church this morning. Let's give him a round of applause right now. I can tell him that you applauded for him. And if you see him, then go up to him and give him a bump. And the third thing is, uh, say a prayer for your favorite team in the Super Bowl this afternoon, right? Who are we, who are we praying for? No answers. <laughs> Wise people. Uh, God bless you. Go be Christ in our community. Amen. See you next week.